This is Digital Pathology Today. Now here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. Conquering cancer through artificial intelligence is the goal of our guest this week on Digital Pathology Today. We're talking with Dr. Brandon Su, CEO of Lunit, a South Korean company creating applications utilizing artificial intelligence in both digital pathology as well as radiology. Lunit stands for Learning Unit, which is fundamental to the company's philosophy, which embodies the belief that they can learn just about anything. And it's fundamental to the application and practice of artificial intelligence as well, which involves continuous learning. The company has developed algorithms focusing on disease screening in areas in the areas of mammography and chest x-ray in radiology and predictive and prognostic markers in digital pathology, in particular an AI-based algorithm for immunotherapy, which outperforms the current standard of care. Luna is looking to capitalize on the growing trend of artificial intelligence in medicine. Brandon Sue from Lunit, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you very much uh, for having me. Thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about the history of, of Lunit. So uh, Lunit is a uh, startup company based in Seoul, Korea with a mission to conquer cancer through AI. So we were founded in 2013. We're based in Seoul, Korea, but also have active operations in the US and China. We are like a, a tech-based startup company. We have a strong foundation in deep learning technology. Our co-founders were AI experts before they founded the company. We were looking for spaces, uh, industries to apply our AI technology and cancer would be is one of the leading causes of death would be a very good target to to focus on. Yeah, so LUNIT means learning unit, if I'm not mistaken. What Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what that means. So it's a abbreviation for learning unit. So I guess it reflects the core of what we do. So we are an AI, AI company. Learning unit is it's a reflection of, of AI technology. The beauty of AI is that it can continuously learn from the training process. And it also reflects uh, the company culture, a young company, eager to learn, and we truly believe that we can learn anything. And that's kind of the spirit of our company. We wanted to kind of reflect all of that. Oh, you can learn anything and difficult problems can be solved. So you said you had a strategy to beat cancer. You were kind of inspired by a big problem we have globally. Tell us a little bit about uh, your philosophy and your vision, you know, why this is important to you, maybe on a personal level, and you know, what kind of strategies are you implementing to help us overcome cancer or at least make uh, strides and inroads to, to improve the lives for patients? Our vision is save lives through technology. As a company and as um, we are passionate about two things, one is technology and it's uh, really focusing on our AI technology for now and really passionate about saving lives as we believe that's really, really a very meaningful thing to do. Cancer was something that you know we were interested in, and it's something that is also of my personal interest. Conquering cancer through AI, how, how would we define that? We defined it as to increase cancer survival, would be like the simple way to put it. Two main methods of achieving that. One is to enable more effective diagnosis of cancer. So the earlier you diagnose cancer, the better it is the, the clinical outcome. So finding ways for earlier diagnosis of cancer. And the second thing that we do is we enable more effective treatment through AI, identify more patients or identifying which patients would respond well to specific treatment, uh, which would in turn uh, increase the cancer survival rate in general. Early detection, identifying patients earlier to give them a better chance at survival. You know, once cancer is diagnosed, we need strategies to identify which patients are best 
are likely to respond to a given therapy. It sounds like this lends itself very well to the diagnostic-based specialties of pathology and radiology, and you've developed uh, solutions in both. Before we delve into your uh, specific solutions, maybe give us kind of an overview of how you approached these specialties. Did you start in radiology first or pathology? Any similarities or differences you noticed between the two? We actually started simultaneously, pretty much. We thought that conquering cancer through AI, you know, two things need to be done. The diagnostic side, earlier diagnosis, earlier early detection, and the treatment side. I think the radiology side is a little straightforward in that the radiology images used, for example, chest x-ray, mammography, chest CT, are the main pillars of um, tests that's used for diagnosis cancer and screening cancer. So applying AI to make it more effective and efficient uh, was our first approach. For the pathologist side, we were looking for specific fields in cancer treatment, and we identified immunotherapy to be uh, one of the main and one of the most interesting areas where there's a lot of clinical unmet need for better treatment. We identified pathology tissue data to be an important um, data that can be used, that can be applied to AI and to extract a more useful information for treatment decision. So that's kind of how we approach those two. We don't really believe in just limiting ourselves to pathology or radiology. So it's really about uh, finding the best solutions for cancer screening and finding the best solutions for cancer treatment. In terms of the um, similarities and differences, the actual technology is actually pretty similar, um, whether we apply it to radiology or pathology, because the data is so different. So radiology Images usually are like 10, 10 megabytes or something, or even as high as like 100 megabytes. With pathology, data is, um, is close to like 5 gigabytes, um, and it's much more complicated. So obviously, there are some differences in how we process the data before we train the, train the AI algorithm or, uh, or analyze uh, the data for AI analysis. There are some differences, but the, the core of it is very similar. Similarities and differences, radiology has been digital for longer. They have better agreement on uniform file formats. The files are smaller, as we know as pathologists. <laughs> Maybe for better or worse, our images can be incredibly complicated. The variety of what we're looking at can be diverse. There's many different considerations uh, with regard to specimen handling, staining, all the colors involved. So it generates very complicated and large files. So let's talk about first your solutions in radiology. So a lot of what we do there in radiology is a screening tool, specifically mammography, which has been with us for a while now, and then chest x-ray, which is perhaps increasing in use or other modalities in terms of screening high-risk patients. So it's certainly a different population than mammography, where mammography, the consideration is basically uh, screen everyone in chest x-ray. We're doing perhaps a more narrow or focused screening of, of high-risk patients. Tell us about both of those. With the radiology side, um, it's really about uh, to enable more effective um, diagnosis of, of cancer. And we thought that lung cancer and breast cancer would be the primary target that we would first tackle as they are the most common cancer uh, throughout the world. For chest x-ray, the focus has been lung cancer screening. Although we do cover uh, currently 10 radiology findings um, that the AI detects, uh, including like pneumothorax, consolidation, and others that are the ones that, the main ones that are interpreted through the chest x-ray. 
And for mammography, the, you know, the purpose of mammography is to, to screen uh, breast cancer. So we use our AI to uh, detect breast cancer and um, predict the malignancy um, probability of each detected lesions so that it, it can help um, in the actual uh, breast cancer uh, screening process. Pathologists and radiologists, of course, are very good at what they do. These tools have performed well. So in terms of radiology, what are we looking to do? Can we refine the diagnosis or allow the radiologist to become better at discriminating between maybe borderline cases where you can improve diagnostic accuracy? Uh, is that one consideration? And then secondly, can we take radiology to whole new levels in terms of prediction and prognosis, where before we might have said, oh, we found a spot on your chest x-ray. Can Now we bring AI tools and say, well, this is likely to be cancer with this percentage of likelihood, and it's likely to be this kind, and patients who have had this lesion in the past have done well or have this prognosis what are these new tools going to be able to do in in radiology you're basically spot on 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 the value proposition of the ai solution one um in terms of the accuracy so it increases the accuracy level of the diagnosis and what that means is uh basically two things one it decreases the number of missed cases so for example for chest texture or mammography the false negative rate for uh, lung cancer and breast cancer is around 20 to 30 percent and it significantly decreases the amount of uh, false negative rate. Also, in terms of the uh, recall rate, for example, for mammography, there's a lot of uh, recalls. So if there's like a, a lesion that a radiologist suspects it to be uh, malignant, uh, you go through a, a follow-up, a series of further exams, including like uh, invasive biopsies. Because the AI is very accurate in terms of uh, predicting whether um, a lesion is malignant or not, we can actually decrease unnecessary recall or unnecessary invasive um, procedures, which will be very significant for uh, patient care. And as you alluded to, the, the AI can also be used uh, uh, beyond just the diagnosis. Um, for example, for mammography, um, according to uh, an abstract that we pre pre presented at this year's ASCO, we trained the algorithm to predict the 5 to 10 year uh, risk of future incidence of uh, breast cancer. So even though at the current stage there is no breast cancer, the AI can actually predict whether the, the, the subject has high risk for uh, breast cancer or low risk for breast cancer. And the clinical implication for that is can be used as a uh, stratification tool to guide um, more personalized screening. So uh, typically at uh, the current status is that everybody goes through standardized screening. So like everybody um, beyond 40 receives a mammography uh, every one to two years. That's, that's the basic guideline and a recommendation. But if we can stratify the patients into high risk and uh, low risk, the subjects with low risk can just go through the routine screening. The subjects with high high risk can actually go through more intensive screening and that would allow for more earlier diagnosis of cancer. So for example, high risk subjects can go through a combination of imaging with perhaps more um, advanced tests, for example, like BRCA testing or for example, like MRI, or it could be a combination of more novel te uh, tests, such as a combination of uh, imaging and liquid biopsy. It does open up uh, new possibilities and new workflows. I think ultimately what we want to do is improve outcomes, improve workflows, and decrease you know unnecessary interventions, which I think could be a large part of the, the value proposition. I think with mammography in particular, it's been frustrating, or there have been a lot of unanswered questions 
Uh, particularly in the uh, 2000s, there was a large landmark study published in The Lancet following large amounts of women over time. And one of the conclusions was regular screening doesn't improve survival. That opened up questions of whether or not mammography was necessary in the first place. But I mean, it's a very complicated question. I think in breast cancer, overdiagnosis is a huge problem, but that's kind of hard to understand because you don't want to trivialize any cancer, any diagnosis. But there is maybe a better way to think of it is there's a a high false positive rate in mammography, so to speak, in that it could be nonspecific and cause the patient to undergo additional interventions, which in hindsight may be unnecessary. So in terms of alleviating those burdens, fine-tuning the accuracy and reducing uh, subsequent studies, identifying appropriately low-risk patients can result in less invasive procedures and less harm or inconvenience for the patient. So how, how do your tools help in that area? Um, the AI is a tool for radiologists. It's, it's like a navigation that can guide the decision-making of the radiologist. So when the radiologist interprets, for example, the mammography, if he or she detects a specific lesion, whether it be or not a mass or calcification, uh, he or she would make a judgment whether this looks benign or whether it looks malignant. And depending on that judgment, the patient would go through you know, a series of additional testing if necessary, uh, whether it be a follow-up mammography or perhaps like ultrasound. Or we can go more uh, aggressive into more invasive testing, such as a biopsy. That judgment is really based on how that lesion looks like in terms of uh, the pattern, whether the the margins are speculated or whether it's uh, more round and stuff like that. So it's based on the pattern that is difficult to decipher in a precise way because it, it can become complicated. So that's really where the AI comes in. And it, because the AI is so accurate in terms of um, determining these subtle patterns that are either benign or malignant, uh, it, it gives a score that reflects the confidence level of uh, presence of malign- malignancy. And that can actually be used by the radiologist in, deci- in de- deciding. So usually radiologists would be more kind of conservative. So even... So if they think that there's a slight chance that this lesion is malignant, he or she will be prompted to to order further tests. But if the AI kind of guides and gives a very low score for benign lesions, then um, the radiologist will be prompted to to order less tests. In terms of the workflows in radiology, getting identifying the right patients, assigning the right risk stratification, doing less invasive tests or no more than necessary, I think is going to go a long way. So once uh, we have a diagnosis or a tissue-based diagnosis, then it kind of moves into the realm of, of pathology. And tell us uh, about Lunet Scope, which is solutions you're working there. You said you have a heavy uh, focus on immune oncology. So what, what kind of solutions do you have there? We're using AI to analyze very complex tissue data. Currently, the main tissue data types is mainly two things. One is um, HNE and one is um, um, IHC. And we have uh, analysis uh, of two product pipelines. Um, one pipeline is basically for quantification of, uh, of IHC um, tests like pd one or HER2 or ERPR. And basically, the pathologist's role to look at the slides and look at the expression level of these IHC tests and determine whether it's over a certain like percentage in terms of the expression level. 
the difficulty here is that the slide is very, very large. It's a vast amount of data that pathologists have to go through. They don't have enough time. So often they just focus on certain areas and they don't go through the entire slide. But the AI can actually look at the entire slide and can, can quantify very accurately the expression level of the IHC slides. Uh, in that way, it increases the actual accuracy level of the assessment. So according to our studies uh, for uh, the pd one quantification, um, the AI can actually rescue like 50% of the uh, of patients who actually um, would be judged to be negative, but the AI can actually detect very subtle detection levels like throughout the slide and rescues those patients to become posit positive for pd one expression. So pd one is one of our earlier products that we are we plan to launch very soon. And then we have the Luniscope IO product pipeline, which is um, more of a biomarker. So we, we use our AI to comprehensively analyze HNE slides for specific features like lymphocytes, the cancer epithelium, cancer stroma, etc., to categorize the patients into different immune phenotypes. And according to our studies, uh, this kind of analysis of uh, the immune phenotype can accurately predict which patients would respond well to immune checkpoint inhibitors because the biology really fits well to the immu immunotherapy. Immunotherapy is such a, a hot area. There have been drugs uh, targeting the, P the PDL1 pathway, and I think a lot of people are just wondering well, if this is such a breakthrough, such a drug that's going to help so many patients, we, we've got to get better ways to score this marker. Did you notice really an unmet need there? You know, what made you focus on, on this area? Was it, you know, feedback from, from clinicians? Was it feedback uh, from, uh, you know, drug manufacturers that said, hey, look, Brandon, we, we need a better way to score these tests or to better identify patients who can, who can receive therapy? It was in general, like, uh, like feedback from the clinicians, feedback from the industry people that there's definitely a need. I think in general, um, I think people agree that like PDL one as a biomarker for immunotherapy, it's not ideal. That there's definitely uh, room for improvement, and if if that improvement is made because immunotherapy is so widely used um, in, in in oncology these days, that a huge deal, a great deal of um, value can be created. Yeah. So what about other markers? You you mentioned uh, breast markers. So we've been doing. IHC and FISH assessments for ER, PR, HER2, Key67 for breast cancer. Do you have projects ongoing in other areas, therapeutic areas? Uh, like HER2 and ERPR is a very good example of uh, a pathology test that's widely used. It plays an instrumental role in deciding which patients would uh, receive treatment. For example, for HER2, it's matched with like Herceptin. We are expanding in that area. You know, in terms of the technology, it's very similar because we're, we're detecting like IHC expression on uh, through the slide. There's a big need in that pers um, perspective to identify more patients, be accurate in terms of identifying which patients would respond. The biological data that reflects that can be covered in various ways, and IHC would be a very a good way because it's already be, it's already widely used and the data is readily available. So that's kind of uh, one of the biggest advantages of using, uh, applying our AI in, in data that's uh, widely used in clinical practice already. The approach uh, would be similar when what we're doing is quantifying 
uh, cells assessing percent positivity and so forth. And there's things that image analysis and AI can do much better than human beings, particularly if it's a highly quantitative task or a repetitive task. So what about other areas like uh, morphological features? Uh, you alluded to tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, which we've known about being uh, prognostically significant for some time. But I think one of the barriers was coming up with uniform ways to accurately quantitate these uh, tumor infiltrating lymphocytes. So do you have tools there as well, um, looking at other histological features on the slides besides biomarkers? As you said, tumor infiltrating lymphocytes is a concept that has already been there, been studied, um, well known to be very important and very relevant for immunotherapy. The issue has been how would you objectively quantify the uh, tumor infiltrating lymphocyte pattern? Our AI, what it does is it first detects the major features involved in this like the, can the cancer stroma, cancer epithelium, and the uh, lymphocytes. And then we look at the pattern of distribution. Is it inside the stroma? Are there lymphocytes inside the stroma? Is it inside the epithelium? And then we calculate the density level. Um, so we would come up with a certain number that reflects this. But then the issue was, what's the cutoff value? So how do we categorize the different immune phenotype into like immune excluded, immune desert, and immune um, inflamed based on that. What we did was we trained our AI based on clinical outcome data. So we had a bunch of patients that received immune checkpoint inhibitors, collected the slides, A&E slides of those patients, calculated you know that these uh, features, came up with the best cutoff value that would um, best predict the response to immune checkpoint inhibitor. We put all that together as one product. The AI would analyze all these features and come up with a ultimate score that would reflect whether this patient is a responder or a non-responder. And according to our study, that classification is actually very, very accurate um, in terms of predict the response to immune checkpoint inhibitors. Um, and compared to like pd one like for example, pd one the accuracy level was, was shown to be around 50% compared to like our lunar scope, which was around like 65%. And interestingly, when we combined PDO one with uh, the lunar scope IO product, the accuracy level was close to like 90%. So that really, when you combine those two, that represent different biologies, um, then you, you, you can actually end up with a biomarker, a combination of biomarkers that is very, very accurate. Wow, that's 90%. That's incredible. I think that's a lot of the promise uh, around digital pathology and, and these great new tools incorporating AI like you're, like you're developing is really allowing the pathologist to add more value in the care of the patient and better select patients uh, for therapy, identify who's likely to benefit or not. So Brandon Sue uh, from Lunit, tell us a little bit about yourself on a personal level. How did you come to be interested in artificial intelligence and in particular digital pathology? Um, yeah, so me personally, I've, I've always been interested in cancer, um, and it's one of the reasons why I studied biology uh, in my undergrad, and then I went to med school, um, did my residency, and I've always interested was interested in founding my own company. And back then, like six years ago, I, I identified AI to be a, a rising kind of field, and I thought that when I first heard it, I thought that it was, uh, there was a lot of potential in applying AI in medicine. And I'm actually, I'm not one of the co-founders of Lunit. I'm actually one of the uh, 
early members. So I joined Lunate as a chief medical officer and then transitioned into the um, CEO role around uh, four years ago. The reason why I'm so, we, I was so interested in, in AI is because of how I believe that it, 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 it will become the, uh, the next, um, the new standard of care for, for medicine. It's, it's not just for pathology, but every, in every aspect of medicine. It, it really fits well to how uh, medicine is practiced. If you think about it, when doctors make decisions, whether it be diagnosis or treatment, you know, they look into the picture of the other patient, whether it be the, the symptoms, the history, lab tests, imaging tests, or, or sequencing, sequencing tests, or, or any other data. They pull all that together, make a judgment on you know, what the diagnosis is and what the treatment should be. And I believe that AI as um, a state-of-the-art technology that analyzes very complex data um, can actually be used well in that process. So medicine by itself is really data-driven in principle, and AI can play a very major role in that perspective. So I was really, really interested in AI from the beginning because I really thought that the potential was, was so great. I'm really, really excited in playing a role, kind of seeing how the industry has been evolving towards that direction. And I think you can see more and more AI actually being applied in clinical practice much more than a few years ago. And the transition has been very rapid. And with this digital pathology, I think it's a little slower, uh, mainly because the, the, the digital pathology space itself is so new uh, compared to un some other areas like radiology. So I, I believe that it will take some time, but I think the trend is there. And I think uh, sooner or later, um, AI will become the new standard of care for, for medicine, including digital pathology. You're right. We've certainly hit an inflection point in the last couple of years where we've seen a, a large adoption. I think AI will become the standard. Well, our guest has been Brandon Sue from Lunit. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.